One interesting thing I found after working with dozens of coaching clients and speaking to hundreds in workshops about time management is that if you're struggling with time management, it's also pretty likely that you're struggling with money management. Dealing with finances, knowing our numbers, whether we're talking personal finance or business finance, all of that can feel very overwhelming, especially when we don't have the right systems in place or any systems at all, when we don't have the routines for checking in on our accounts, when we don't know how to set financial goals, and on top of it all, we're strapped for time. So things like money management can fall by the wayside. Or on the flip side, because we have so much going on, we just let someone else handle it for us, um, but we're totally in the dark about what they're doing or what our finances look like. And if any of that sounds familiar, then this episode is for you. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 147 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Cornick, and today's guest, Madison Brown, is proof that feeling financially confident and having the systems and routines to match, well, it's absolutely possible. Let me introduce you to Madison. Madison Brown is the owner of Madison Dearly Bookkeeping. After taking her first accounting class in college, she realized that it was definitely her jam, and then she dove headfirst into every accounting class she could find. She's been in the bookkeeping and accounting industry for seven years, and she's worked in the nonprofit sector and at a top 10 public accounting firm. Madison traded the 60 to 80 hour weeks of public accounting life for just 20 hour weeks and more time with her family. Now she serves online business owners by taking the monthly bookkeeping responsibilities off their hands. She works with brand and website designers, copywriters, educators, marketing agencies, and more, equipping them with the numbers they need to make big business decisions with confidence. In today's conversation with Madison, she shares how to build sustainability into your schedule. You'll hear about the backwards method she used to cultivate her dream life, three ways to take the intimidation out of knowing your numbers, and she shares why asking for help is actually the strongest thing you can do. And I know you've got a lot on your plate, and you might be listening to this episode while you're running errands, folding laundry, or getting dressed, and you're not exactly able to jot down notes easily when you hear something you want to remember. But don't worry, I've taken all the notes so you don't have to. You can find all of the tools, resources, and tidbits mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 147. And finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. And if you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. The thing is, your reviews play a huge role in helping others find it's about time in the search results. And plus, you might just get a shout out in the future, like this one going out to LD the Infinite. LD the Infinite was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review. LD the Infinite writes, great insight on how to manage your time, establish boundaries, and delegate. Wonderfully referenced with notes on time management tips and tricks. Well, 
LD the Infinite, thank you so much for your kind words. I truly hope that each episode, insight, and guest interview can give you something useful as you're making your way through your own challenges and achievements. Thank you again. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Madison, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to spend time with you today. How are you doing? I am doing so well. I am equally excited to spend time with you. It has been way too long, and I adore you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right back at you, my friend. You are just the coolest. And we have real, some really fun things in common that we'll dive into in just a bit. But before we officially hit the record button, I shared the official Madison Brown bio in the intro. But I always I want to hear from you in your own way words. How do you spend your time these days? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I am Madison Brown. I am the owner of Madison Dearly Bookkeeping. So I spend a lot of time doing bookkeeping. We'll get into all of that in a little bit, but just more about me and my personal life. I am a wife and a mom of two kiddos, Sadie Bell, who is almost four and Nolan, who is almost two. So hands full. Can I get an amen? I, when I latch onto something, I like really latch on. So if I have a good book, I can't put it down. If I am like stuck on a Netflix show, like selling sunset for the next like 24 hours, great. Like, I, <laughs> um, so I get like very latched on to like my hobbies per se, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit about who I am and what I do, what I love. I love it. Okay. So you've got two young kiddos just like me. So I guess I completely understand how abundant life is with uh, all of the things I, I I try to stay away from the word busy, but man, it is a lot having two little ones. Okay. So bookkeeping, you are a business owner that focuses on bookkeeping. So you are a bookkeeper. What exactly does that mean, Madison? Yes. Oh, I get this question all the time. Happy to answer it because- We have a big library. That's it, right? Like you keep all of these books- books. That's it. <laughs> Gosh, I went. Actually, that's what my daughter thought that I did for a long time. I was like, what does a bookkeeper do? She's like, reads books. I'm like, no, that's not really it. But <laughs> so it is just the process of counting the money that is coming into a business and accounting for the money that is going out of a business. So it's just the day-to-day transactions of what is going on in inside of the financials of a business. I work with creative online business owners, people who didn't really get into business to do bookkeeping, but it's a non-negotiable. You have to do bookkeeping in your business. So I love working with like brand and website designers, virtual assistants, copywriters, marketing agencies, those types of people people that have have those very creative juices and might not understand how to do bookkeeping, which again is non-negotiable. You have to do it if you have a business. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's really that process of what is our total revenue? What were our total expenses, money out the door? And what's our bottom line? And how can we use that information to make really good business decisions? 
Interesting. Okay. So that is what a bookkeeper is. Very important. It's like checking in on the health of your business. Yes. On a regular basis. Okay. So what else? So you've got your business and tell me a little bit about just what that looks like. Like how much time out of your week does your business take you? Yes. So I came from a very, very fast paced industry. I used to work at a public accounting firm and was working kind of those 80 hour weeks, especially during like tax and audit time from like January to April. I was non-existent to all of my like friends and family because I was just so jam packed with all of the tasks that we have to do during that time. And then kind of, you know, transitioned into working a more like internal accounting job, shaved it down to about 40 hours a week. But now in my business, I maybe am at 20 hours a week. So I am a highly efficient, highly productive. I have a lot of things very streamlined, but I also have a lot of space too. I work best when I have space to take as much time as I need to. This is kind of like a a bounce back from the public accounting world. They always would say like, okay, you're going to go audit cash. You have an hour to do so. And here I am at like minute 58. I'm like, okay, this is going to take me two more hours and just give me so much stress. So now I'm kind of like swinging the pendulum the other way and saying, okay, if something that I think is going to take me two hours, I am going to, because I'm the business owner and I can, I'm going to budget that four hours so I can take as much time as I want to. But really, I probably don't work more than 20 hours a week, I would say. Oh, that sounds delightful. I do love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. You've really gone from that that super that almost like that stereotypically busy like public accounting life with yeah. the super long hours to mm-hmm. taking control of your time, having your business and doing something that you really love with people that you enjoy doing it with. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. You totally nailed that on the head. It's kind of like this life work balance of I might not be working as much. And honestly, I might not be as profitable as if I was working at a giant top 10 CPA firm, but I'm happy and I'm fulfilled. I'm satisfied in the work that I'm doing. And again, I have the space to work slow and to fully enjoy the work that I'm doing without getting stressed. Oh, that sounds like a dream. And I love that you're proof of what's possible because, you know, there may be people listening right now who are working those 80 hour weeks during tax season or whatever industry they're in. And they're thinking, you know, what else is out there? How do other people do it? And you're proof that you can actually have a very fulfilling life, fulfilling career, run a business and not run yourself to death. Yes, it's possible. This is an option. Booking is a great option too. It's it's very sustainable having clients that I work with on a monthly basis. So it's that constant like monthly recurring revenue that's coming in. But even more, like even deeper than just that consistent revenue is the relationships. Mm-hmm. I get to really create relationships with my clients, allowing them to flourish and grow, increase their profitability because they do know their numbers mm-hmm. and see them go from one-on-one service-based businesses to then transitioning into this more educator role and now seeing all of this new marketing that they have and their financials take shape in a totally different way. Um, so it's those relationships that make it even more sweet and more rewarding too. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about the relationships that you have with your clients. So it's definitely not a situation where you just kind of pop in, do their books, pop out and move on. How do you, how do you cultivate those relationships with your clients and why is that important to you? 
Oh my gosh. It's extremely important. I'm a type two, Enneagram type two, anyone else? <laughs> yeah, that's me. So I am constantly that helper. I'm constantly cultivating those relationships by talking and, and, and having understanding who these people are as humans. What do they want out of their life? Are they saving for maternity leave? Is their husband getting surgery and they need to save for it? Mm -hmm. Are they really wanting to, I mentioned this, scale back their one-to-one -one services and start selling digital products mm -hmm. or courses, whatever that may be. It's understanding who they are, what the desires of their hearts are, what their mm -hmm. household lifestyle needs might be, what kind of money do they need to bring home, and then helping them strategically take that information and, and look at their financials to make it happen. So I have quarterly meetings with my clients. We meet every three months without fail. I'm sitting down. I am making them stare at their financial reports. Okay, what is going on here? What kinds of trends can we see with your revenue? Where can we cut back on expenses because something just really isn't serving you? There's not much return on investment. So we're kind of asking those questions and, and taking that deep dive into their business finances to help them get to the goals that they really say that they want to achieve. Wow. So it's so much more than the numbers. It's the whole person, the whole family, the whole big picture. I love that. It seems like a much more wholehearted approach to the numbers, which can be very you know cold and harsh, I guess. Yes. In some ways. And so I think that's fantastic. You You bring like personality and warmth and joy to something that can be intimidating to others. Tell me this. Okay. So I, I feel like we, we've we got bookkeeper, Madison, the bookkeeper. Tell me, tell me how you spend your time outside of work. Oh my gosh. I touched on this a little bit, but I, when I like get something in my mind, I just have to have it. So I love to read. If I pick up a good book, like I will be sitting with that book until it is finished because I just love, I love to read love to spend time with my kids. We actually just moved from Houston, Texas to Carver, Minnesota, and we were cooped up for the last like five months with negative degree weather, which is brand spanking new to us. We've never been through anything like that before. So now it's, it's, it's springtime, it's summer, you know, it basically went from like winter to summer here in Minnesota, but we are loving spending time outside. So we're constantly finding new parks or, or splash pads, things that we can do to just spend time together as a family, still trying to make friends up here. So I'm constantly like, hi, I'm Madison. Like it's making friends as an adult. That's always kind of that awkward, like how are we going to do this type of thing? But yeah, I just love to spend time with with family, our little family, because we did move and then ways to get outside because we've been cooped up forever. <laughs> That's so funny. I really feel you on almost getting to the point of obsession with books and TV. I have to be very careful about reading fiction because... I will get so sucked into a fiction yeah. book and I can't do anything. I can't sleep. I can't like focus on my food. I, I don't want to do work. Like when I read Where the Crawdad Where the Crawdads Sing, Same. I just and, and that was probably what, like two years ago. And 
I couldn't function. I just had to read the same. Yes. But as far as how my days are structured, because I think that might have been what you were asking too. No, yeah. (laughs) Both kids are in daycare four days a week. So we've got Fridays off. That is mom's day with the kids. Where we are intentionally doing some sort of activity. Throughout the winter, we would go to like indoor playgrounds. That was always our thing on Fridays. But I really structure those four days around how can I get as much done as possible within Mm -hmm. these days. And I'm working about five hour days. So I've got a really good chunk of time in the morning where I feel most productive. I'm you know, answering emails. I am doing actual bookkeeping. I'm supporting team members. I do have an assistant bookkeeper who is stellar at what she does. She's an incredible bookkeeper. So I'm constantly supporting her, answering her questions, giving her reports that she needs to do her job. I usually take about a two hour lunch, whether that's to go work out, have enough time to like come back, shower, look presentable if I have afternoon calls that I need to take, or just take the space to unplug from whatever I was working on in the morning, make myself a really healthy lunch and and then come back at it in the afternoon. And then once, I mean, again, it kind of goes back to like my work is so satisfying, so much more so than it ever was when I was working for somebody else that when it comes time to pick up my kids, I'm ecstatic. Like I'm so excited to see them because I feel very fulfilled. My cup is full. I'm able to do the things that I wanted to do for the day instead of someone else telling me what I needed to do. So Yeah, that's kind of how my day is structured. Fridays, we just take the day off. I completely unplug from work. There was a time where I would try to work with the kids and that was just like a whole circus. not a good yeah. idea. And then Saturdays and Sundays, we spend it spend it with the fam. So we do kind of fun days on Saturdays and then church on Sunday, kind of relaxing, kick up our feet on Sunday and then do it all again next week. Oh, that sounds so wonderful. You know, and if you're listening, you can't see Madison's face as she's telling me about how she structures her days and her week, but she's absolutely glowing. And you, like, it's very clear that you have designed, you have cultivated, you've created this life that you love. How did you get from point A to point B in in figuring out this rhythm for yourself and knowing that a two-hour lunch is what works best for you? I mean, you, you told us a little bit about how you figured out that trying to work on Fridays with the kids doesn't work because it's a circus. Totally feel you. <laughs> so I, I, I see that. You know, how did you arrive at this structure for yourself? Sure. I think it was a lot of envisioning what I want for my life and the life that I want to design. So what does that quote unquote ideal look like? And how can I kind of reverse engineer it based on habits, based on routines, those kind of time blocks that are, (laughs) I live and die by my Google calendar. So I have those time blocks where within them, it it says what my habits are that I have to, have to, because I want this want this life for myself, that I have to execute those specific tasks within that block. And there's plenty of time in that block because we've already said that I I need to have that space to get everything done. And that's how I've really structured it. So my Google calendar looks a little bit insane. My husband saw it for the first time the other day. He was like, what is this? Like he didn't even know (laughs) that's like how I structured my life and that's how my brain works best. But it really kind of is that meditating on the idea quote unquote, ideal life that I want to have? What kind of, how do I envision myself as happy and healthy and full? And then what kinds of habits are going to get me there? And how can I structure my calendar to to point me in that direction? 
Yes. Okay. So Madison, you start with a vision. And I really, I love your choice of words because I'm sure that is very intentional that you've used the word ideal. A lot of times people think, okay, what is my perfect life? What is, what would perfect look like? But in using ideal, you know, ideal is defined as the best possibility. Mm-hmm. Perfect is designed as without flaw. Nothing in life is perfect. Nothing in life is without flaw. So anytime we aspire to be Pinterest perfect or mm-hmm. be the perfect mom or the perfect wife or the perfect business owner, we're setting ourselves up for failure. But when you actually reframe and think in terms of ideal, like you have, and like you've said, and having that vision for your ideal life, you're able to think about the best possibility and you actually can be successful at the best possibility. Where did you, I'd love to know, where did you learn or how how did you come upon this process of, you know, let me start with a vision. Let me figure out how to reverse engineer that and what habits support it. Did you come up with that? Did you learn that from someone? Tell me more about that. <laughs> okay, got to give a little plug for Ashley Foy. She spells her name A S H L E I G H, and Foy is her last name, F O Y. Definitely look her up on Instagram. She has this little challenge that she's been doing for a couple of years, and it is, can't remember the specific name of it, but it's something like Design Your Life or Gain Control of Your Day, I think it's what it's called. And it's just, it, I think it was like four or five days long where she takes us through this process of kind of brain dumping everything all at once of what would everything look like if I if I had the, again, ideal life. But then also what types of tasks do we have? Which mm-hmm. annual tasks, which quarterly tasks, which monthly tasks in business and in life. So she's giving you that opportunity to really look at what your personal life as far as like laundry and dishes and like kids routines and then business where you have taxes, bookkeeping, marketing, inbox, everything else. Mm -hmm. You're kind of just brain dumping all of the tasks and then taking all of this like now big bucket of information and translating it to your Google calendar. So it felt very like not intimidating or overwhelming, but just like my calendar was suddenly packed, Mm -hmm. but it really like freed up space for me to be able to structure my day around what I really say that I want to do. Yeah. And what I really say that I want to do, mm-hmm. because that is a, that is huge because I, I know I'm probably not alone in this, but there have been moments, there have been times when it's like, I really want to do these things. Why am I not doing them? Mm-hmm. And so you, and, and I'll be sure to look up Ashley and dive into what she has to offer and check her out if she's been so impactful for you. And I'll be sure to link to Ashley in the show notes as well. That's it. It's that transition from what you say you want to do and who you want to become to actually figuring out what's in the middle to getting there. What is that path to get there? I would love to know if you're you're willing to share, what are some examples of the habits that you have in your Google Calendar? Yes. Oh my gosh. Should I just like pull it up right now? Let's just take a look at my calendar. I am so curious. Okay. So here is my morning routine. I've got skincare, hygiene, vitamins, Bible study, morning tea. Today it's coffee because I'm feeling really tired, but usually it's that morning tea. I love tea. So then we've got kids morning routine. I am getting their clothes on, breakfast made, shoes, School bag, water bottle, jacket. So wait a second. Does it actually say jacket? Yes. Yes, it does. (laughs) Because I'm like, I'm this checklist of 
if I can really get into these intentional, serious habits, it becomes second nature. Yeah. There have been so many times in my life before I've nailed down this process of, oh my gosh, how did I forget that? How And I feel really, really dumb or really silly. Like that is something that I should not have forgotten. Oh. And I get to their school and then I have to drive all the way back and drive. And I'm just grumbling the entire time because I'm mad at myself for not being smarter. And when it, when it comes down to these types of things, it's, it's that can let's continuously do this. Let's continuously say this in my mind so that it just becomes a complete second nature type of thing. And then 10 years from now, people are going to look at me and how do you have it all together? Well, 10 years ago, I didn't have it all together and I had to actually write it down. So yeah, it reminds me of taking a daily walk through through the woods or through grass. And if you are consistent in taking this same walk every day, eventually there's a well-worn path. Mm -hmm. And eventually you don't even have to think about turning left at this tree or making a right at the fork because it just becomes ingrained and that well-worn path is there. So you are being intentional about creating that well-worn path for yourself. Wow. And (laughs) If you are, if you are willing, I would die to take a peek at what this looks like for you on your Google Calendar, if you are comfortable. I'm just like, I am so curious about how you have created this visual with all of this detail. And I'm sure that, you know, some people are listening and they're like, oh my gosh, that sounds totally overwhelming. Like how, how do I put all these things in my calendar? How do I even see what's what? Was it was it, oh, you said it was overwhelming for you in the beginning. How did you get used to that? Sure. And it, it feels overwhelming, but it's almost that, that moment of when you dump it all out and it's, it's on your calendar and now your calendar looks really full because every time slot is filled, if you will, it's almost freeing because it's now I have a full half hour to do everything here, which is not really that difficult. I mean, come on, clothes, breakfast, shoes, water bottle, jacket, like that doesn't take that long. I mean, it could. You also do have a three-year-old that is almost four. And I know that sometimes just jacket can take 30 (laughs) minutes. Yes. Very, very good point. But it now creates this freedom where you are able to get all of this done, your habits feel very supported within this time. So while your calendar might look a little insane for a minute, it's again, going back to what do I say that I want for my life and how can I actually execute it? This is my personal way of executing it, that's allowing me to create those habits to design the life that I want. Yeah. I love that. And you know, this works for Madison. This works really well for Madison, but this might not work well for you. Yes. Okay. And that is that I, I want to say that not so that you are off the hook and feel like, oh, well, that just works for Madison. I'm not even going to try it. Totally. You never know. It, that's what trial and error is for. What works for one of us may not work automatically and immediately for the rest of us. But by, sh- by, by learning how Madison does this, it gives us inspiration. It gives us ideas that we can take and run with and have them fit our life. So if you're thinking that this is the only way to do time management, you know, I always say it, it's not a copy and paste kind of thing, but be inspired. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? 
You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, in all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. So you mentioned that you have your habits in your Google Calendar. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about your go-to tools or methods or just what do you have in place besides having your habits in your Google Calendar that really helps you do life? So it's different for business and for personal. So for personal, like I said, live and breathe by my Google Calendar. If there's something that's really important, I will actually write it down and tape it to the fridge so that my husband can keep me accountable too. If that's drinking more water during the day or I want to go to three dance jam classes this week at the gym, I will actually put that on, like physically put it onto the fridge. When it comes to business, I love me some ClickUp. ClickUp is our project management system that we use for our bookkeeping. We're just constantly looking at lists, knocking off tasks, and that is a great way to see the entire picture and kind of how do we need an elephant one bite at a time? That's very much how ClickUp feels for me. Love me some Dubsado. That is my client relationship management system. So when anybody fills out an inquiry form with us, it all goes into the system and we can kind of keep track of the workflows in there as well. So those are some great things. I love Xero. Gotta plug Xero because that is my preferred accounting software. So, so pretty. It's just like pretty to look at. Very easy, very intuitive to use. It is the only accounting software that you will find that doesn't have accounting jargon. So we're not saying like accounts receivable aging summary because stuff like that even bothers me. I'm like a bookkeeper and I don't need to see that type of jargon. So Zero makes it really easy to actually get your bookkeeping done on a monthly basis in a very easy, simple, they have been very strategic about how simple they want it to be and easy to use to actually get it done. 
Ooh. Okay. So ClickUp, Dubsado, and Zero are sort of yes. like your your top three business BFFs in terms of tools. Very cool. I'll be sure to link all of those in the show notes in case you want to check those out. So I love that you mentioned that zero, first of all, is beautiful to look at, but second of all, that it doesn't use all of the accounting jargon because that's that's intimidating for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, if I feel like I have to Google what everything means as I am trying to wade through my finances, I am just going to give up and go to Instagram and scroll for 30 minutes and just give up. And so it's no lie that financial things and bookkeeping just can feel kind of intimidating. And when things are intimidating, you tend to avoid them. And when we avoid those things, they don't get done for months and months and months. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Bad things happen, and then yeah. the IRS comes and arrests you. Just kidding. Yeah, that's definitely a running joke among a group of of business owner women that we we have like this running Vox chat about how we're all convinced that we're going to like fill out a form wrong and that the IRS is going to come arrest us. I know that's not even a thing. No. <laughs> we all like we don't want to go to jail for not for messing up our taxes. Anyway, but it it. it all of that can feel very intimidating. So, you know, I I think my big question is how can we, whether we are working with a bookkeeper or a financial coach or DIYing, how can we take some of that intimidation factor from our numbers? And that's, that's whether you're a business owner or Maybe you are in a like nine to five career professional role and you have bills to pay and you are thinking about bookkeeping from a family standpoint. How can we take some of that intimidation factor away? Yes, I think intimidation, it pairs really well with emotion. I think a lot of people have emotions surrounding their personal and home finances, their business finances, which make it even harder and almost can sometimes make us feel paralyzed when it comes to actually doing the thing. I feel that same way about like social media marketing. I don't always know what I'm doing and I don't even have the IRS like breathing down my back saying, did you post to Instagram today? Like, so bookkeeping by definition can feel even more intimidating because someone is breathing down. It is something that you have to get done in your business. So I think a couple of ways that we can really take the emotion out of this are one, looking at our numbers objectively. So when we do start to do our bookkeeping month over month, we're taking those four or five hours once a month to just sit down, what came through the door, what expenses went out of the door, what was our bottom line, and looking at that as objectively as we possibly can, taking the emotion out, peeling the emotion out of, okay, If this is what happened last month and all of the months before, how can I take that information and shape it into the rest of the year? So as we start to do that, even more on a monthly basis, it can really shape up how we're going to make our big business decisions moving forward. Same thing goes with our our personal finances too. We are understanding if you use a budgeting software like you need a budget, YNAB, YNAB, or Mint. A lot of people use Mint for their personal finances as well. It's actually going in and doing the process, but then looking at it as objectively as you possibly can. And this is the second point that I'm going to make, having a plan. So we can always feel intimidated by numbers 
if we don't have a plan, if, if there's nothing that's telling us, okay, this might've not been where we have, have, you know, the goals that we wanted to hit financially, but if we have a plan to move forward, if we have a marketing plan, if we have people in our corner that are going to help shout from the rooftops of this is a new product, or this is something that we're doing, or you're getting new clients. If you have one-to-one services, whatever that plan might be, then then it helps, again, take out the emotion of what you're looking at to give you a strategic way to move forward. But then when it comes to being intimidated by actually doing bookkeeping, it's finding really good. This is my whole, this is my whole like life's work, I feel like culminating into my bookkeeping business. I love to educate. I love to teach my clients how to make those decisions, how to look at their financial reports in a new way that makes them feel confident, that turns that intimidation and that overwhelm into confidence surrounding knowing exactly what their numbers are, knowing what their total revenue, where they can peel back some of those expenses that might not be serving them well. So my, I'm, I'm working on a blog right now. It's all going to be launched with like some really good resources of how to make those decisions, how to take the emotion out of your bookkeeping, and then just also to educate yourself and really make a plan moving forward to, to achieve the financial goals that you have. Wow. Oh, that is so good. Okay. Taking the emotion out of it and making sure that you have a plan. You know, just about anything is intimidating or head spinning until you have a plan. It makes me think of like planning a trip to Disney. Planning a trip to Disney can feel so intimidating and overwhelming. But when you've got a plan or when you've got a guide, that that really simplifies everything for you because you have a direction that you're moving in, you have steps, you have milestones and you have you have a plan. So, I love that's fantastic. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I want it to be as helpful as possible and whether you're asking for help by digesting resources or by just hiring somebody, it's okay to ask for that help and it really does take the intimidation out of it. Yeah, help. Let's talk about that for a second because you know, we as women, I know that the majority of my listeners are women, many of us feel that if we don't do it ourselves, it doesn't count. And that goes for inside the home, that goes for inside of our business. I remember when I was very early in my business that I found I found out that people hire copywriters to write for them. And I just remember thinking, like, you're not doing all the writing yourself? How is that? That's not fair. That doesn't, that doesn't count. I I realize that is an incredibly like ridiculous point of view, but the truth is, is that no, no man or woman is an island. The, the old phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a village to do just about anything because we need support. We cannot do things on our own. Um, But it can be very difficult to ask for help and to set ourselves up to delegate because you know, one of the biggest mistakes that we often make when it comes to asking when when we decide, okay, I'm ready, I'm going to ask for help, is that we just kind of throw responsibilities on someone instead of actually thinking through what needs to be done, what's the purpose, are these even things that need to be done? And so, how can we how can we set ourselves up for success um, when we ask for help? Yes, <laughs> I love this. So I have actually learned this in hiring for my business over the past six months in 2022 of having everything set up before you hire someone, it feels really good to have that system, the processes, everything that we've got going on so that you can properly hand it off to somebody. 
with me, I feel like because people just really don't know anything about bookkeeping sometimes, it is so much easier to just be like, you do whatever this is and I will sit back, I'll kick my feet up and you'll hand me those financial reports. And there is a lot of education that goes on between my clients and I. But you also have to realize too, because you mentioned that it sometimes it's really difficult to ask for help. When you are asking for help from someone who genuinely enjoys what you're asking for help about, you're giving me a gift letting me do your bookkeeping because I am like the giddiest little nerd. I love bookkeeping. It's something that lights me up. It's something that I get. It's the way that my brain works. So when you're asking for someone, asking for someone's help, whether that is bookkeeping or cleaning a house, mm-hmm. you are essentially acknowledging, which is my this might be where people are having trouble with, you're essentially acknowledging that you're not the expert Mm -hmm. in that field and that someone else could do it better than you, which when you think about it, if you can kind of take maybe the ego out a little bit, holistically, your life starts to improve because Mm -hmm. you're outsourcing things to people that really love whatever it is that you're giving to them. And when it's bookkeeping, I just get super happy. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of a conversation that I've had so many times with my time management coaching clients around organization. And they feel completely overwhelmed by a space in their home, pantry, a closet, a kid's room, a playroom, whatever it is. But they are so reluctant to hire out an organizer. You know, let's say that they it fits within their budget. It is something that they can do, but they're reluctant to hire help because they feel this guilt that they should be the ones who do it. Like I should be good at this or I should be the one to do it. And I think that's something that many business owners can get caught up in is this idea of, no, but I should be the one to do my books, even though I don't really know what I'm doing. I should be the one doing this or else I'm not a quote unquote real business owner. And so you you address that so perfectly in saying that you're giving someone a gift if they love doing it. And so whether whether it's in the home with organizing a pantry or doing your own books, you know, what is one piece of advice that you would give someone who is struggling to let go? I think to envision the results. Whether you do it, whether you learn how to do it, take the time how to do it, or take the time to learn how to do it and then execute it, or you hire someone to do it for you, the results are still going to give you exactly that sweet feeling that you wanted to feel. Yes, if you put in the legwork and it pays off and you actually do learn how to do your bookkeeping and you get it done every single month, it's going to feel very rewarding because you've done that for yourself. You've pulled up your bootstraps. But it's also going to feel really good if you ask for help and, and again, you gift it to someone who absolutely loves it, an organizer or a bookkeeper, whatever that expert is, the result is still a clean pantry and it's still going to serve you well, whether you did it or whether they did it. So Madison, I've absolutely loved our conversation today. Everything from habits to getting past the intimidation of your numbers to really diving into 
asking for help. I have a curveball question for you, but I know you are going to handle it beautifully. So Madison is actually a former Miss New Mexico. So fun fact, I, I did some pageants back in the day. I was definitely not Miss New Mexico, but I was the Miss Louisiana Pecan Festival teen queen. Cute. Um, so like so cute, small town. And so I would love to know how was your experience doing doing pageants, being in the pageant world and being Miss New Mexico? How did that prepare you for where you are now? My goodness, in ways that I can't even count. I was 18 when I won Miss New Mexico, and I was 19 when I competed at Miss America. And for a lot of the things that I was preparing for, whether it was the interview with a panel of celebrity judges mm-hmm. or an onstage question or swimsuit, what evening gown, whatever it was, I feel like I didn't know how to do these things. And so other experts came in and kind of showed me what to do or told me how to do them. And now kind of looking back, I almost wish that I would have done what an 18-year-old would have thought to do and just said whatever I was feeling or just was super me, which might not have won me the crown, but would have allowed me to just be genuinely me. So I think that's something that I've learned from the experience. It was wonderful. I don't regret anything. I said the things I wanted to say, like I, I wore the evening gown that I wanted to wear. So I definitely don't regret how it all played out. But now looking back, I'm like, I know how to be genuinely me because of that experience. It's helped with interviews like this. I've done about thousands of interviews and it made me feel really confident in just kind of my public speaking and, and sharing my thoughts. And then I got to wear just like a really cool sparkly gown on stage and that just felt pretty bomb. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved pageantry. It was, so, it was so cool getting to meet women across America and how like cool and successful we had lawyers and doctors and people who were really just changing the world. So it was really cool to be a part of that. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about that blast from the past. You know, what you said about how participating in pageants and and being Miss New Mexico and working with experts to prepare for competition and interviews, that it helped you find, it helped you discover how to be a more authentic you on the other side of it, you could say. Um, and, you know, that's something that we just have to grow into, I think, as as people, as women, the older that we get, the more life experience we have, the more opportunities that we have to make decisions. Yes, this is me. No, this is not me. The more we're able to really step into our authentic selves. And then usually by the time we hit our 30s, we've got enough of that life experience under our belt to where we're really starting to step into and own who we really are. And I just... I'm so grateful for everything that you've shared today. Just this conversation, I knew it was going to be amazing, but it has absolutely blown me away, especially what you shared with us about habits in the beginning. So Madison, how can we stay in touch? How can we continue to learn from you? You can find me on Instagram at Madison Dearly. My website is madisondearly.com. I'm constantly there showing off my cute little kiddos, tons of bookkeeping tips and resources. Like I said, I am in the process of working on my blog to just blast out a ton of resources to make sure that people do not feel overwhelmed about this portion of their business. Yeah, coming out with me. I'm fun. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. We will. We will all come hang out with you because you are fun. Madison, thanks so much for your time today. I'll talk to you soon. 
And there you have it. If you've ever wanted to get more confident about your finances or even shrink your weekly working hours down to 20 hours a week like Madison has, I know you're walking away with some great ideas and actionable next steps. Clearly, big changes, whether it's cultivating your dream life or becoming more financially confident, they don't happen overnight. But little by little, your progress adds up. I encourage you to take one action in the next week that will get you one step closer to the sustainable, confident life you envision for yourself. You can find links to the productivity tools that Madison mentioned, as well as links to the resources she shared by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 147. And if you want to take your time management skills to the next level and craft a productively successful, confident life, the It's About Time Academy is open to new members. You can learn more and join us inside the Academy over at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash Academy. The link is also in the show notes. All right, before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 148, is all about the fine line between being really productive and making a beeline for burnout. I'll be chatting with Brittany Dixon about priorities, systems, and what it means to stay in your zone of genius. Plus, she's sharing the three P's of productivity, and you definitely won't want to miss those. All right. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.